Hello, everybody, and welcome to the first ever episode of the Gems of History podcast. I am your host, Jacob Shop, and joining me today, I have my two co-hosts for this show, who are my good buddy, Mark Steinbrenner. Hey, how's it going, everybody? And my other good buddy, Evan Roosh. Hello, my fellow history nerds. So the idea of the show is we basically just decided that, hey, it would be fun if we all got together every once in a while and just kind of shot the shit about some stuff that we found interesting through history, whether it's like military history or folklore or conspiracies, whatever we kind of feel like talking about that week. So uh, that's pretty much the basic premise. And I think the structure of the show is we're going to try and switch off every week and each person takes a week to pick a topic and do research without telling the other people about it. That way we get some good reactions out of it. But to start, we're going to do some mini topics and give you guys a little taste of each of our methods of research, what we like to research, and all that good stuff. So that's what we're going to be doing for this first episode. So I hope you guys are excited. Yeah, very excited to do this. Uh, a lot of people don't know, obviously, because this is the first episode. Uh, but the reason why we're all friends is our mutual love of history, as well as video games, completely different topic. But just that passion and just the little tidbits and gems of history, not like your normal, typical, what everyone knows about history, but those little nuances, those little stories that most people don't know about, that's what really brings us together as friends and what we love to talk about. So really happy to share that with everyone. Yeah, and I think just... Our close bond with one another kind of lets us get kind of loose and, I don't know, have fun conversation you maybe don't have with your uh, everyday other strangers. So Right. Just and, kinda... I mean, we've, we've been friends. A little background is, like, we've been friends for over 15 years now. At least since kindergarten. Yeah, so, so it's... Wow, it's, we're old. Yeah, <laughs> it's been a while. So, I mean, we're just all here to pretty much hang out and have a good time. So I hope you guys can join us in having a good time, but... Like Evan said, I think picking some of the topics that are a little less well-known, because obviously there's plenty of podcasts out there now that do kind of the same idea, and they pick topics and try and get the big ones out of the way right away. But I think we're going to try and focus on some smaller ones and maybe get something you haven't learned about before. I will say, even for the bigger ones we might cover, I think mine might be a little more mainstream than uh, um, Evan and Jacob's today. How dare you? Yeah, yeah, right. But that being said, just the just the take we might have on it, or uh, whatever the case may be, knowing these guys like I do makes me more so excited to hear what they have to say about it or their opinions on something that's happened in history than maybe um, just your average Joe. So, all right, well, would one of you guys like to start with your topic first? Sure, I can start. Uh, so, hey everyone, this is Evan. Um, just a little quick intro why I honestly love history going more in depth on it when you think about the arts and you know what uh, we as humans you know what are we really known for and with the arts it's pretty much broken down to you know music art itself uh, science but we don't really like to talk about history too much and include history in those arts and in my opinion history is kind of an art form you know you look at Science is explaining what we are, what the universe is, you know, how did we get here. Uh, art is honestly, in my opinion, 
how or like why humans are great, what we can really do. Um, history is basically just us learning about, you know, who we are through the years, as well as, you know, what our true potential is. And also just gives us great lessons that we can learn from our ancestors that we can take into the future. So that's honestly just why I personally love history. Um, do you guys have any takes on that? I mean, the cliche old saying is, you know, you learn from history. Yeah. So, I mean, it's always good to go back and look at things and just kind of get a fresh take on it. I mean, you'll obviously hear a lot of stuff in school about it, but there's a lot of stuff that you obviously don't hear in school. So mm -hmm. I think it's good to do your own research on some of this stuff and just find stuff that clicks with you and then maybe find a little niche in history that you can kind of fill people's brains with knowledge on. I do love that, yeah. But anyway, without further ado, I'll get into my topic. And my first mini topic, uh, a bunch more, you get to listen to us a lot about our different favorite parts of history, was, or it is, Su Fu, and was he actually the first emperor of Japan? Now, a little background on Su Fu. He was a Chinese monk, uh, lived around 200 BC. Does he pity the Fu? Is not to be confused with Mushu as well. Oh, from oh Mulan. my gosh. Oh, that was beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> if that's any insight to how this is going to go, then I'm glad part of the show is also that we sip on a nice beverage. Yep. Just a little whiskey. And well, I mean, I think we just lost the three listeners that we oh, have. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. I mean,. Or gained them. I don't know. It depends what kind of humor they're into. Yeah. <laughs> right? Just only Disney fans <laughs> at this point. Because right. I had to bring up Mushu. <laughs> but anyway, he was a Chinese monk who was also an accomplished explorer and navigator. And in 2019 BC, the emperor at the time, the emperor of China, uh, sent him on an important mission. And the mission was to find a miraculous plant that could bring him eternal life. Now I know what you guys may be thinking, how was this history? But if you look back at the history of our ancestors, even close to you, this is why well, I just mentioned Su Fu lived in 200 BC. But if you look even in the 1400s, one of the main premises of exploring America was to find that mystical fountain of youth. So the concept of eternal life on earth and a way to magically get it has been a theme in human history, honestly, since it may have began before we started documenting history. But with Sufu, he was sent in 219 by the emperor. You may also be thinking, why would the emperor send a monk? Monks at the time were considered the best navigators and the primary scholars in regarding, or in whatever specific field that they were involved in. And this can also be drawn to a parallel with European monks. Granted, European monks came far later uh, in AD, and right now we're talking about BC. But with monks just in general, the focus was to put them in a place, most likely in seclusion, where they can focus on the relationship uh, with both the physical world and the spiritual world and to learn more about the physical world and how it relates to whatever god or spirits that the culture believed in and basically make connections with you know how does our world work in reference to you know our connections with either those spirits or with you know god but with that so that's why sufu was chosen for this task 
was he just like any monk or was he like a uh, top monk or what, what, like how was he set apart from the others? Do you really know? Is, or is it just... I do not know. A lot of this, since it is a very old story, there is some legend, which we will get to uh, further on down the road. But not quite sure what his position was with the in terms of you know top monk. He was a member of the royal court, oh, okay. so that is okay. why. But in regards to him being in the royal court, I don't exactly know you know where in the position he was. Right. Was he like right hand man? Was I'm he ass- like he, he just happened to live by the sea and the emperor was like yo. I'm Han Sufu. I'm assuming every not every monk was in the royal court though, so that that probably a good step yeah. to getting chosen for it. Mm-hmm. Yep, totally. But anyway, uh, but he was tasked with finding a mist or a miraculous plant that could bring eternal life, specifically for the emperor. So in twenty or two two nineteen BC, Sufu set sail. And the ships that he used were believed to be bamboo rafts, which were 60 feet long each and had two cabins on each. Typically fit about, you know, six to ten crewmates on each raft. And the reason why bamboo was used was because bamboo flexes with the waves as opposed to normal wood. So the water would basically just go roll right over the bamboo, uh, which is huge, uh, considering where they were going to travel and where they might have traveled. That's called foreshadowing, folks. (laughs) However, it does also attract sap-eating insects. That's some more foreshadowing for you folks. So after he set sail in 219 BC, he disappeared for about seven years. And after seven years, the emperor kind of gave up hope. However, after those seven years... Sufu returned to China, but came back empty-handed. And now it was believed that since he came back empty-handed, he made up a story that a dragon that was near one of the three mythical islands where the plant was supposedly found told him that he needed to come back with 3,000 men and 2,000 women as sacrifices. And can you guess what the uh, ancient emperor of China said? Yeah, go for it. Yep. (laughs) So the emperor basically says, yes, take these 5,000 total people who, by chance, were all workers of different trades, as well as a large amount of archers from the army, and basically sent them to be sacrifices in exchange for this miraculous flower. So Su Fu set off again and again he was never heard of and he never came back now the three islands that were mentioned before these miraculous islands guarded by a dragon do you guys have any any guesses of what uh that could be maybe alluding to three islands close to china skin very well known for like you know dragons maybe I mean, are we getting back into, like, Japan here? Yep, bingo. It was the islands of Japan. So let me get this straight. Did this guy guy, uh, basically jack some Chinese citizens to start his own country somewhere else? Oh, buddy, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right, well, I mean, I can't can't hold it against him. That's pretty smart. That is the... uh, So a lot of it it does get caught up with, you know, the local legends, um, Japanese legends specifically, but... 
It's believed that these three miraculous islands, guarded by a dragon, which contained this mystical flower, were the islands of Honshu, Kyushu, and Shikoku, which are the three main islands of Japan, and the supposed mountain that he was supposed Sufu was supposed to find this flower on was actually Mount and I'm blanking. I am filling time, listeners. <laughs> was actually the Penglai Mountain. I was waiting for it to be like some really generic one that everyone knows. And, just... <laughs> and they found it on Carl's Mountain. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but no, it was found on the Penglai Mountain. And the Japanese legend goes on to say that Zufu introduced agriculture and medicinal plants to Japan. And now he is now honored as the god of farming and medicine. Smoking that kush. Yes, Zufu, <laughs> first reported by the gems, gems of History, introduced that good good to Chinese citizens. That old sativa. <laughs> and a Japanese scholar, you know, Okifu, excuse me, you know, Okifu, formed a theory that basically said that Zufu and the supposed first emperor, who was a descendant of the sun goddess of Japan, were actually one and the same. I feel that's a very important thing to note there, because if you look back again at, you know, human history, the pharaohs of Egypt, they were descendants of the sun god Ra. So that's just another quick parallel I found very interesting. Uh, when you think about ancient cultures, I mean, a lot of, you know, the sciences and, you know, theology was essentially just based on looking up in the sky and being like, we need that. Right. Like, that gives us warmth. But anyway, uh, so that's the story of Zufu. There is also another part of that legend that say that he actually sailed to America. Now, this was actually tested by Tim Severin, along with a handful of crewmates. They recreated one of Zufu's apparent bamboo rafts, and they actually made it. So first they sailed from China, to Japan, resupplied there, made it with no problems. So that proved the theory that they could make it from China to Japan. And then they went from Japan and made it 2,000 miles off the coast of the Americas. And if you think about you know, the times and what they were using, this is essentially a bamboo raft. It's not, you know, the Titanic. Probably not the greatest comparison to use there. <laughs> <laughs> It's not like a big ocean liner. So you're saying they didn't make it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but theories say that he could have made it, Su Fu could have made it, because he would have had such a large number of rafts. And the reason why Tim Severin didn't make it in the 1990s is actually because of you know a bug that infects bamboo uh, in the water. A shipworm, if you will. That's the browsing for, my bad guys. Uh, the shipworm was uh, eating out. <laughs> Whoa. Oh no! <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> the ship having some fun with these ship. Oh today. no! Oh. He had five other just crewmates just hanging out there. So the shipworm actually <laughs> created a lot of the bamboo as part of that was that was part of the raft. Uh, so they did make it two thousand miles off the coast of the Americas. For reference, Hawaii is 2,471 miles away from California. Okay. So there's a lot of theories saying that Sufu actually could have made it and actually did make it 
to the Americas. Um, again, those are just theories. And with the biggest one being actually that he is the supposed first emperor of Japan. Okay. I got a question. So if he's the first emperor of Japan, mm-hmm. but he also sailed to the Americas, how how did that work? Was there a timeline there where he was emperor for a while and then I was like, hey, it's kind of sick of this whole royalty thing. Yeah. Or, or he not only made it to the Americas, which we... Maybe you're having a little trouble proving one or another, but he then also went back to Japan. Yeah, so he was just kind of basically... like, "Man, I am sick of these five thousand people that I brought <laughs> And they all got scurvy. Yeah. So that's the thing with the two different legends. The one legend, he becomes the supposed emperor of Japan. That's what he does. The second legend is that he goes off to America. There's no. He oh, did one and then did the other. So okay. it's either he was the Emperor of Japan or that he sailed on to America. So these are Japanese legends, you said, mostly? There are, it's a mix of a Japanese and a Chinese legend, okay. yes. Primarily Japanese. Um, so for the longest time, and this actually came up, this theory actually came up after World War II. Because if you remember, the emperor and the royal you know, dynasty of Japan had a lot of authority based on the fact that they were descendants of the sun goddess. And that was actually a, you know, a belief throughout a majority of you know, Japan starting their empire. So after World War II, now there's no more you know, royal dynasty. Uh, a Japanese scholar, or the Japanese scholar I mentioned before, Ino Okafu, formed that theory basically to say we're actually not descendants of a sun goddess. Okay. So it was done basically in a way so that World War II wouldn't happen again. Like, hey, we're just, you know, those regular people like everyone else. Um, not trying to disprove their traditions or anything, but just that was the reason or a primary reason why they or he came up with that theory and then spread it out. Cool. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, I found that very fascinating. I mean... I've definitely never heard of it. Yeah, I mean, got a book for Christmas and found stumbled upon that one, and that was really cool. So for any listeners that would like to read more about this topic, the book that I'm referencing is Case Closed, Nine Mysteries Unlocked by Modern Science, written by Susan Hughes. Cool. Give Susan a good old plug. Yeah, yep. good old yeah. Susie Q writing a book about myths and legends. Yep, and if you can hear that magic, there's pictures in it. <laughs> I don't think it'll be a coincidence when uh, you go on Amazon and you see it's the number one bestseller. Pictures, pictures on so an audio happy. podcast really transfer well. Yes, yes. Yeah. I was trying to make it pick up the sounds of the pages ruffling, but there's only 80 pages, so there's not a lot. Of that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I definitely uh, appreciate that story. Yeah. Look uh, for a lot more of stories regarding, you know, Japanese and Chinese culture coming from me. I love that's... Japanese culture, dude. It's so interesting. Oh, we need to do an episode just strictly about Bushido and samurai. And... Oh, yeah. I'm sure we will. Dude, all that stuff's so interesting. Mm-hmm. So I guess just kind of now doing some commentary or questioning on the story, some of the things that kind of raise my eyebrow are the bamboo ships first off. Mm-hmm. Just kind of thinking logistically about it, 
They're almost as good as the milk jug wraps that we made in high school. Almost. <laughs> almost. <laughs> almost made it across a pond. I, oh, I, I don't know that a single one did, but, I, but almost. We could have made it to America. Sure. Yes. We just didn't have the chance to do it, you know. Or somebody forcing us, like, you know. That also is true. Yeah, yeah. Well, actually, that's not true. Was it Mr. Well, Mr. We, we also Mule, didn't what's have... his name? What was our teacher's name? <laughs> oh, <my goodness. laughs> Mr. Moeller? Moeller. I was watching him. Mueller. Mueller. All the classic Midwestern names. But anyway, yeah. He was kind of forcing us out there. But outside of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway, so I'm just kind of thinking about it. You said that when they tested it, they got within, what was it, 2,000 miles of the United States? Yes, or 3,271 kilometers for the rest of the world. Mm, okay yeah, we don't care about that yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> well you know i don't know if that's uh if they made it there or not but that that's kind of cool to see how dedicated people are to history that someone wanted to go out there and literally try it i mean i'm sure they had a ship of more legitimate stature probably tailing them for when it inevitably didn't work so out. they actually did not oh but when uh tim actually tim Severance. oh my gosh i need to start bolding my names <laughs> So in Tim Severin, uh, he had the only thing of modern technology he had was actually a radio, so he could signal for help. So he did notice that these worms were don't say eating out, don't say eating out. <laughs> that these worms were eating the bamboo oh. on his ship, and to a point of where they weren't going to be able to recover because they weren't they couldn't bring extra on it. I mean, these were sixty foot long ships. Um, and there's no place to store that extra bamboo. Uh, he did radio a couple days ahead. Uh, they got some more distance out of it, and then a ship did pick them up. Sure, sure. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, Are you sure cool. he was actually testing it, and he didn't just get kicked out of the house by his wife or something? And it's just like, get out of here. And then he's just like, fine, I'll just go build a raft. Yeah. Get the heck out of here. I'm picking up five of my best buds. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to have the best bachelor party ever. Yeah. <laughs> And then they all got shipworm. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> all right. Well, that's pretty uh, pretty cool. Jacob, uh, do you want to go with your topic now? Yeah, sure. I can do mine. So I'm not doing as as big of a subject as finding Japan or finding America. I'm doing more of a, a localized topic. Uh, I'm doing the mysterious case of the Erickson twins. I don't know if either of you have ever heard of it. Only Erickson I know was Leaf and Marshall Erickson from How I Met Your Mother, so no. <laughs> I certainly don't know anybody with the last name Erickson. All right, cool. So this will be new for both of you then. So this is a pretty freaking wild story, and so I'm going to need you guys to just keep in mind that when I say it's crazy, that when you think it's hit its max point of craziness, it's probably going to get crazier. So And, th- and this, this is a historically factual story, yeah, or this, this is a legend? This all happened. This, okay, this all happened, right. i got to go into it realizing that. Then. This happened, I think, uh, 2008, so 12 years oh, ago. Like, there's, okay. there's video of this stuff I can show you guys, too. Well, talk to me when there's a dragon that demands 5,000 people be sacrificed. True, <laughs> true, true. That's true. I don't have that, but... All right, so the Erickson twins, Sabina and Ursula Erickson, they were born in Sweden on November 3rd, 1967. Uh, they had an older sister named Mona and older brother named Bjorn, of course. Strong name. It's a good name. 
Um, but there really isn't too much about their childhoods written online other than that like they didn't have any mental health issues that were noted or any criminal convictions or anything like that. So nothing like really noteworthy in their childhoods that anyone has brought up. Uh, and then it kind of skips from 67 all the way to the year 2000. And that's like where it kind of picks the story back up with where they're at because no one really had any record of like anything noteworthy before that. So from 67 to 2000, somewhere in there, there are kids, they did kid things. And then um, Ursula moved to the US and lived there for a little bit. And Sabina moved to Cork, County Cork, Ireland with her husband and she had two children at, by that time. So at some point between then she got married and had kids. But other than that, I don't know, couldn't find anything else. Um, so Ursula goes from the U.S. in 2008 and visits her sister in Ireland. And for unknown reasons, once she got there, the two of them just got up and left and went to Liverpool, England. And this was on Friday, May 16th that she got there and they left Saturday morning. They, or they took a ferry either that early the next morning or late that night and got to England at like eight o'clock the next morning on Saturday. So right when they get to England, uh, they go to the police and they call to, or they say that Sabina's children are in danger and their safety is like their safety is in question. Don't give, they don't give any reason why, but the police say, okay, we'll contact Dublin and have them check into it. And Dublin just reports back saying that Apparently, Sabina had had a fight with her husband the night before, and that's all they get out of it. So that's all they know at the time, and then the police just are like, get out of here. I don't, we don't know what you're talking about. Your children are fine. So after that, they hop on a bus to head towards London, and the bus driver claims that he saw them kind of acting really erratically, not like crazy erratic but just like they were clutching their bags really tight like they were they looked nervous and so he got to a stop and he asked them like hey can I look in your bags because he thought like oh maybe they have something in their bags they're not supposed to and I should probably check their luggage and so they're like no you can't look in our bags so he makes a stop at like a parking lot that's not on the route and basically drops them off and says, like, well, if you're not going to let me look in your bags, I'm not going to let you get back on the bus. So he just leaves them there and calls the police and says, like, hey, I just left these girls here. They're acting weird. They might have something in their bags that they're not supposed to, like maybe a bomb or something. And so he's just like, I'm just leaving them. I'm not picking them back up. So they just get left here. Cops come and show up. And the cops are just like, hey, we heard, like, you guys are acting suspicious. And... They're just like, no, we're, we're good. And they were like, apparently just like super calm, like super sociable. The cops didn't notice like anything weird about them at all. And they're just like, okay, well, if you guys are good, then we're just going to get out of here. So the, the cops are just like, we don't have anything to stay around for. They leave. Did, did they look in the bags? I couldn't find if they did or not. Okay, I, so we don't I, know what was in there that they went like. I'm assuming that they probably did but i think it was just 
like later in the story it says what they had and okay. I think it's just like a laptop some money and like some clothing and stuff so I don't think they had any, they didn't have anything obviously in the bags but they just were acting really weird about it to the bus driver so I'm I don't know why but as you can tell they've got some sort of issues upstairs going on that is messing with their judgments can't imagine if the bus drivers on the way to Summerfest were like that. Like, all these teenagers <laughs> look pretty suspicious. Oh, yeah, they don't have anything suspicious to hide. Yeah. No flasks in their pants or yeah. anything. No crushed-up water bottles taped to my stomach. <laughs> all right, so anyways, yeah, the cops left. They didn't find anything suspicious about them. And this is kind of where it starts to get, ev- like, to the really boiling point of craziness. That's where it, like, starts to boil over. So... CCTV cameras on the M6 motorway, which is like one of the busiest motorways in England, catches the two sisters walking down the side of the highway. And then it sees them cross three lanes of busy traffic and get to the median and then proceed to cross three more lanes of traffic going the other way and getting to the other shoulder. And in the process, one of them gets clipped by a car. And so the cops are obviously called because they see, oh, this CCTV footage. And so it just happened to work out that the cops were filming a highway, like a highway cop show that was going to be on air. So they had film crews like following them because they were filming for the show. So the cops show up to the scene. There's already another officer there like talking to them. Like the, the girls are smoking cigarettes. They're just chatting like they seem completely fine and calm and so the camera crews get there and they start approaching the girls while they're talking to these other officers and then all of a sudden out of nowhere ursula just takes off into traffic and one of the cops grabs her jacket to try and stop her and she just wiggles out of her jacket and proceeds to run right into a semi and gets run over by the back wheels of the trailer oh my and then Right after she gets hit and the cops are like, oh, my God, Sabina takes off and runs right into a hatchback that's coming up, like, in traffic. And the just... truck's okay? <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> Maybe a flat uh, tire. You really, <laughs> really went there, yeah. But Sabina just crashes onto the windshield of this hatchback and just falls on the ground. And both of them survived. The What? Sabina... The one that got hit by the hatchback was knocked unconscious for 15 minutes or so. And Ursula stayed conscious the whole time and just had crushed legs. But other than that, she was coherent and she was talking to the officers. Like she, They both somehow survived this. And the semi was going up, they estimate, like 55 miles an hour. Oh my. I restate my question. What? <laughs> like, are, the, are the trucks okay? <laughs> I told you, man. This is crazy. Um, that certainly can't be the end of the story. Oh, no, no, no. Okay. okay. No, it, I told you. Once you think oh. it's the crazy points, it, it gets more okay. crazy. Okay. But this is where it like starts Holy to cow. boil over. Um, so, yeah, they both survive. And then while the officers are tending to Ursula and her, like, she's just laying in the middle of the road, obviously, like, she, she can't walk uh they put like one of those foil blankets over her and stuff like traffic stopped and while this is all happening sabina comes back too from being unconscious 
and she sees these officers around him around her and just like starts freaking out and she starts spitting at the officers and saying like you guys aren't real i know you're not really trying to steal my organs and like asks for like the real police like where are the real police and they're like we are the police like calm down like they're trying to calm her down she gets up and like starts walking away and like starts like hitting the officer that's trying to restrain her and she gets away from that officer runs back to the other side of traffic and literally squares up at the officers like she's in full like boxing pose and like this officer's like chasing her around trying to get her and then another officer comes to try and help and then another officer and eventually the cars that are passing by have to stop and civilians have to come and help them restrain her i think it took like five or six people to like actually restrain her and carry her over so I guess my question about that would be, is it because they were trying not to hurt her or make her they, overly uncomfortable? Because, I mean, ultimately, what's the age of this woman? She's like 35, 30, no. So she was born in 67, and it's 2008, so, yeah, like 31. I don't know. I guess I'm just wondering how, how difficult could it really be to restrain? They didn't I mean, think it was going to be, but... Yeah, we're looking at, I pulled up some pictures of the twins, and they don't look like... Mm. Yeah, they're, they're, like, they're, they're, just normal. they're just like normal. Yeah, they just look like normal women. So is there is there live footage of yeah, this entire Yeah, I, I can event? pull it up and show you guys. Or Evan, if you want to pull it up on yours. But but this is a recorded oh event, so visually everything you're telling us can be seen. Yeah, the, oh, okay. there is camera crews there. Didn't you say it was for a police show? Yeah, too? so they just What happened, a day for that they show. They just happened to have a camera crew. So they made this into a documentary called Madness in the Fast Lane that aired on BBC. Wow. And uh, so I'll let you guys watch the footage. I don't want to hear you guys' reactions to it. And this is the other one. Stay, yep. stay, stay. Have they got a collar or something they can stick on her? Right, don't get going anywhere, okay? Just chill, chill. How is she walking? Oh my. Holy. How did they get up? So yeah, we I just had them watch some of the footage. So they saw the video of them getting hit and the one sister getting up, but well, I, I told how? you it's insane. <laughs> yeah. And they got up perfectly fine, like coherent. Yeah, she just got hit by a car going 55 miles an hour and bounced off the windshield and 15 minutes she's good to go. Wow. That isn't 
wow. just nuts. <laughs> yeah. If you can take nuts. that, I mean, maybe watch the video so you know what we're talking about, but wow. Yeah, if you want to look it up, just look up either Madness in the Fast Lane, the whole documentary. It shows it multiple times, or just look up Erickson Twins highway footage. It's insane. But what a day for, you know, I'm guessing the UK's version of Cops yeah, to they, be it, on scene. Basically, yeah. Wow. What a day. So, yeah, that all happens. Uh, so they eventually... Don't tell me the story's not done. Oh, it's not done. Oh, oh my gosh. Goodness. It, gets, it gets worse. Um, worse? Yeah, worse. So after that all happens, they finally... The trucks? <laughs> <laughs> so after that all happens... They actually they... move on to ocean liners. <laughs> <laughs> they finally restrain uh, Sabina. Ursula obviously gets taken to the hospital for her leg. And uh, so Sabina gets taken to the police station, obviously. And once they, the, well, they're booking her in, they have video of her like at the police station. And she's just like chatting with the officers, like totally casual. Like some of the, like a lot of the reports say like, oh, she was even kind of like flirty with the officers. Like she's just completely changed her attitude, like from where, when they were on like the freeway. And... So they're booking her in, and she makes this really bizarre comment. She says, we say in Sweden that an accident rarely comes alone. Usually at least one more follows, maybe two. So remember that foreshadowing that oh, you mentioned earlier? Yeah, yeah. dude. Hell yes. Man. So let's keep that in mind. We need to make a foreshadowing drop. <laughs> <laughs> so she gets sentenced for punching an officer and, like, causing the chaos on the highway and they sentenced her to a day in jail and since she spent the night there already she there's like yeah you already spent your time get out of here mm, steep yeah it's pretty rough punishment you know i think it's too far <laughs> i think it's too much yeah that judge really I threw think, the book at her. i think in america we really need to like tighten up our policies yeah, and yeah. get some higher convictions going yeah <laughs> keep up with these guys holy cow a whole night i know uh, and so she gets sent off. There's like, get out of here, you scamp, you know. Just ruffles her. <laughs> so she gets let off, and she's wearing her sister's clothes now for whatever reason, but she's wearing her, like, green jacket I, just because I don't think they had hers anymore. I don't, I don't know. Mm. But she had, like, all of her stuff and all of Ursula's stuff probably just because Ursula was in the hospital, and they're just like, here, you take this for now. Um, so she's just walking through the streets of England and these two guys walk up to her while they're walking a dog. Uh, it's a guy named Glenn, Glenn Hollinshead, who was, a he was a former Royal Air Force airman and then just, and his buddy Peter Malloy. So they're just walking the dog, they see her and they start talking to her and she's like acting a little nervous at first, but they like talk to her and she's like, yeah, I just got out of the police station and like I have nowhere to go. My sister's in the hospital. And so Glenn, being just the nice guy that everyone said he was, just like, well, you can come back to my house for the time being if you want. So she's like, yeah, okay. So the three of them go back to his house. They hang out. And they said that like the whole time they're hanging out, she kept looking out the windows. Like she would not stop looking out the windows. And then at one point, she offered the two guys cigarettes and gave it to them and then immediately took them back and was just like, wait, they might be poisoned. 
and so she's just well, really I mean, she's I mean, everything might I, be poison so just like this weird behavior and so the night goes on without like any major incident besides her just being really weird and peter goes home at around midnight and sabina stays the night uh so the next morning glenn starts making breakfast for him and sabina and he goes over to his neighbor's house, his neighbor Frank, and asks for some tea bags to make tea for them for the meal that he's making. So he gets the tea bags, goes back home, and less than a minute later, he runs back over to Frank's house bleeding and says, She stabbed me. Oh, jeez. And he, like, Frank calls the police, obviously, but before the police get there, Glenn dies. And apparently the last thing he said to Frank was, Take care of my dog. Which is just heartbreaking. Oh, <laughs> no. So, obviously, Sabina stabbed this man, and now she's on the run. So, they call, that gets called in, and this guy driving down the highway sees this woman walking around, and he said that she had a hammer, and she was just hitting herself in the head with this hammer at, like, irregular intervals. And so, he calls the police... And then he gets out of his car to try and stop her. And he grabs her to, like, try and restrain her. And she pulls out a roofing tile that she had in her pocket that she grabbed from Glenn's house and hits him with it and then runs away. And so the cops are, like, now on their way. Like, people are trying to restrain her. She gets to a bridge and jumps 40 feet off the bridge onto a highway, breaks both her ankles, and fractures her skull, but doesn't die. Oh my. This woman is she in the past 24 hours or 48 hours probably has gotten hit by a hatchback going 55 miles an hour, fought an officer, got convicted of fighting an officer, got out of prison, stabbed a man and then jumped off a bridge. Not a stab but a murder. Yeah. yeah. So herself in the head with a hammer before she jumped yeah. off said bridge. And then hit a guy with a roof. It's you know, I gotta say, for as much as we were joking about it, how did the officers not recognize this woman being a danger not only to herself but just to society? We'll, we'll get to that. Oh, Jedi okay. mind tricks. Mm, could be. Because like they never did a, a psychiatric evaluation when they had her in custody or anything. Like yeah. they just let her go. Mm. So um so, yeah. I feel like the evaluation started and ended with her running into traffic. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's just, I told you guys, it's an insane story. So she, <laughs> she fractures her skull, breaks both her ankles. They take her to the hospital. And like she's admitted to the hospital. Two days later, they wheelchair her out of the hospital. And she's immediately charged with manslaughter and obviously evading police and whatever and so she uh she gets convicted and she pleads well she i don't know if she pled guilty or just pled no contest basically but she got charged for manslaughter with diminished responsibility so basically they said like the both the prosecution and the defense agreed that she was they said insane at the time of the event, mm-hmm. but during the trial was sane. That's what? that's what that's what both sides. Said. Sounds like a good lawyer. I better call Saul. Yeah. Right. 
So. I, so time out. Let me just back it up real quick. So both sides, the prosecution and the defense, said at the point of the events, like, so the 48 hours, that she was insane? Yeah, so after she got released from custody, okay. in that time before she got ca- caught again, yeah, she said during that time, she w- was insane. Oh, okay, so they probably couldn't account for what happened the day before because she was already like processed right, like, exactly. in the system. Oh, okay. there, there's just so much going through my head right now. So there, a lot has happened, obviously, in the last 48 hours between going into traffic and murdering somebody. And then jumping off of a bridge, you know, 40 feet and breaking her ankles. But this all happened within 48 hours. And this, the age of this person is going to be low 30s. Yeah, she's like 31, so 32. one can't help but wonder what else in her life has she done. I, that's that why it's crazy that there's the story. no information before this. And they're both married, right? Just They were married? Just had children? Sabina is married. Ursula is the one from America. She doesn't have any record of her being married. Can you imagine getting, like, being the husband and getting that call? So your woman yeah. ran into traffic, I killed feel, a man, jumped know. off a bridge. I feel, like, I feel like if he hasn't flushed out uh, that his wife's a little cuckoo at this point, maybe he's a little off too. But <laughs> um, I, Do they do a drug test on these people? Uh, I think they did, and they didn't find any drugs in their system. Oh, my. So, okay. oh, wow. so like, that that was one of the main things that they were looking for, is, like, are these people drunk? Are they, like, on drugs? Like, there's got to be a reason they're acting this way, but they're, okay. they couldn't find anything. Um, so during the whole trial, Sabina said, like, nothing to any of the questions. She didn't give any explanation for anything she did. She just said no comment to everything. Um, and they never showed the footage of her running into traffic at the trial, they never, sh- like, all of that footage from the CCTV cameras, they never showed any of that at the trial. So... Do they explain why? I have no idea. They just omitted it. I don't know if it just did because it didn't have to do directly with the murder or what, but... Okay. I, mean, I feel like it would have at least factored into the sanity... Right, exactly. Whatever. That, but they, it, as far as I could find, they never showed it. Well, and not to this on the dude's priorities because we all love our dog but you almost wonder and obviously you said his last words were take care of my dog and we don't know what else he would have said i suppose um but he didn't have a lot of family or someone fighting for him in this case everyone that had like said anything about him said like oh yeah he was a great like a really nice guy like well evidently if you let a stranger in his home to to take care of her make her breakfast so i mean yeah and peter was the last one to see him before that morning, like, because he hung out with him the, la- the night before. But he obviously didn't see anything that, like, tipped him off to be like, this woman's dangerous. Yeah. She's just weird. Mm-hmm. So, so, um, the one of the things that people say the reasoning could be behind, like, their weird behavior is it's called shared madness, or in French, it's a term called folie du. I'm probably butchering that, Bless but you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, it means shared madness or madness for two. Okay. And basically what it attempts to say is someone is having some sort of mental break or like they're going, they're having some sort of psychotic like episode. And basically that energy transfers over to another person if they're close enough. And basically, she starts like experiencing it as well because she see their whoever it is sees 
that other person going through this break. And so basically it just ends up that they both start like being delusional, like just going insane basically. But having said that, they must be susceptible in some way to that same thing. Just right. because it, just well, you see someone have a psychosis or well, meltdown. And the biggest thing with it, they say, is like it's usually between two people that are extremely close. Sure. Twins. So, and they're twins, so obviously they probably were mm. pretty close. Yeah. yeah. And uh, there was like another case, I'm pretty sure, where it was like two sisters that barely talked to anyone and they made up their own language talking to only each other and like just in like they do weird things like mm -hmm. it just affects different people differently and in this case what they think it was was one of them just started losing it and the other one just kind of followed along do we know which one started doesn't that, say yeah. gotcha but i mean it was ursula that came to visit sabina so we don't know if sabina was going crazy oh, yeah. and that's why she got in a fight with her husband the night before and ursula was just like okay i'll come and hang out or whatever but yeah we don't know like we have no real official way to say what happened or why it happened there's more to the story isn't there that's pretty much it oh, uh, oh god hey, i can breathe at a certain point i can only take so much <laughs> i told you yeah. it's insane no, um... but uh ursula she got released from the hospital after her leg healed up she went back to america she became a part of a church and like basically like just Clean lived like a nondescript life from there mm, on. Interesting. Uh, Sabina went to jail for five years, and I don't really know what happened to her after that. But five years for is, murder for, is like murder just means something it was, different. Than it was you manslaughter with oh. diminished responsibilities. So they said that she was insane at the time. So like they gave her a, dim, a like smaller sentence, I'd assume. Well, maybe in prison, but I imagine she had monitoring long after that. I would assume so, but. And probably mandatory psychiatric. The last, the last thing that I had found was in that documentary, Madness in the Fast Lane. Apparently, I think it was 2016 or somewhere rec more recently, some more footage came up on a Reddit thread about this whole uh, case. And apparently it was footage that was taken out of the documentary and never put like in was the officers were requesting, I think it was a 136, which is code for like, you can hold these people until they get a mental evaluation for like their own safety basically. And it like isn't explained why it's not in the documentary or why they didn't go through with it. If they just didn't have time to go through with it because they ran into traffic. So but, theoretically, I mean, it cost someone their life. Yeah, so I mean, yeah. theoretically, if they would have done that and held them and actually given them a mental evaluation, then they wouldn't have Probably, if they would have taken them right away, they might not have run into traffic. They might not have ever gotten hurt. They might not have ever met Glenn Holland's head and ended up ending his life. So yeah. you just wonder what was going through the mind of these officers that they just forgot about that protocol for the next 48 hours and just let them go. That is so insane. But, yeah, that's the story of the Erickson twins. Yeah, I wow. think I that's, uh, it was. that really... Beats my whole dragon thing. I, for five, I think I mean, it's different, different, yeah, it's different types stuff. of history. I mean, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. I told it's not as like large of a scale, but it's just like I don't. Holy sure, cow! Sure. It's well, anything that happened is history, right? So right, that is true. I mean, and here's my time to plug mental health. If you're having struggles, go get some help. I'm not joking. I'm being serious right now. It's not a sign of weakness to go out and seek help if you're struggling and especially in this time when 
everything's gone to shit for a while and everyone's kind of struggling, just do what you can, reach out to a friend, reach out to some loved ones, reach out to anybody, just tell someone what you're going through and try and get some help before it gets to a point that you can't return from and do something you're going to regret. So just take that for what it's worth and take care of yourselves. Mm -hmm. All right, Mark. Well, if I can uh, mentally and emotionally recover myself from that story, <laughs> um, okay, maybe more in a similar vein to Evans from the standpoint of a pretty classic historical event. Now, Evans wasn't maybe classic, but um, maybe a little more historical than uh, Jacob's story, I suppose is the uh, Roanoke colony. Ooh. Obviously, everyone everyone knows about it. Some care about it or think about it more than others. Basically, the approach I want to take with it with you guys is more interactive, a little more commentary, questioning, just kind of feeding off each other what we think happened, what could have happened off the wall or not. You know, you can take whatever approach you want if you want to be serious about it or or superstitious. Well, I mean, it was obviously vampires. Well, I mean, that is what, you know, the the facts seem to um, produce evidence for is vampires, but not everyone seems to agree, so... Is that what happened on American Horror Story? Because I know they did a... I didn't watch that season, no, so I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I heard it was... We're very useful sources of information yeah. right now. Not yeah. a degree among us. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the podcast. Yeah, yeah. We're experts. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so the approach I was thinking for uh, my topic is I'm just going to kind of um, lay out all the facts, um, just give some background on the basics of what you know the Roanoke uh, colony was about, and then kind of go from there based on what I say and what history says. What do we kind of gather or think happened, and we'll kind of go around and talk right. to each other about how or why and whatever else. But we, I don't want to assume all the listeners know all the facts about it, or even you guys for that matter, so I'm just going to start off by just kind of talking about it. So on May 8th, uh, 1587, approximately, approximately 120 settlers left England and sailed to Roanoke Island off the coast of what is now uh, North Carolina and arrived July 1587. The governor of the settlement was John White, who was an explorer and artist. Um, there were a few attacks within the first month right away by Native Americans on the settlement. So the fellow settlers talked to uh, John White and were basically, hey, can you go back to England and get more supplies, people? Basically, they weren't prepared for what they faced right Is away. there a more generic name than John White? No, there is not. Dan <laughs> Smith. That is Dan just, Smith. That is no, but Dan, okay, Dan Smith. Preset, <laughs> preset number one for every RPG ever. It's like those credit John card commercials that just like, all right, here's John White, and then it's one, two, three, four, five, six. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, so basically they seemed kind of outmatched or didn't, weren't prepared for these Native Americans right away. So John, John White basically agrees, and within the first month of being there, he departs back to England. Uh, on August 25th, 1587. Leaving behind 115 colonists made up of 87 men, 17 women, and 11 children, including his own daughter, Eleanor. Turns out England was actually on the verge of war with Spain at the time. So John Smith, or John White, John Smith. <laughs> John White. Uh, Joseph Smith? He was just like, yeah, yeah. John White couldn't. It's not real clear when I was reading on it. I'm sure I could have gotten more detail, but whether it was hard for him to port 
at England, but more likely I'm guessing it was hard for him to part back for America after porting in England. So it takes him a full three years to accomplish uh, this objective. Maybe he was just chilling. Maybe he got comfy. Found he was like, you really know what? That whole America thing, that sucks. Find a really good yeah. sandwich shop yeah. and just kind of hang out for a I while. Suppose like, shot, yeah. I, mean, I suppose you get some arrow, arrow shot at you by Native Americans. They're like, you know what? This England thing is pretty tight. I have yeah. to chop down trees to make yeah. a house? Like, right. what? <laughs> but so <laughs> leaves his daughter behind. And, like, hey. and oh, by the way, I mentioned they didn't let this out, but his daughter had just given birth there too so he's now got his daughter and his daughter and now his uh, granddaughter he left behind Maybe there he just didn't like the smell of wet cheerios i <laughs> have no every single church service yep so uh anyway eventually he does depart back for america and returns in august 1590 full three years later when he returned the entire colony had vanished without a trace in my uh, page turn here. That okay. history being written right there. Yeah. <laughs> Stand up and take a moment. Okay. <laughs> that was great. <laughs> I told you we're experts here. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Uh, the only clue found was the word Croatoan, uh, carved into a fence post and crow carved into a tree. Things that a lot of people already knew or heard about in the past. Um, just for background knowledge again, Croatoan is actually a, the name of another island not far um, from Roanoke, also, as I, as I understand it, off the coast of what is now North Carolina, just further south. Could be further south than North Carolina that I'm thinking, but it's just south of that anyway. Um, so uh, John White made two attempts to sail to Croatoan Island, but as he, now this is self-claimed by him, but he the stated... The worms ate him out? What? No, the no. worms ate him out? No. <laughs> <laughs> Dang these worms! <laughs> they keep popping up in history. But no. They're the biggest nemesis ever. Yeah. Oh my gosh! But two attempts to sail there, and he was um, thwarted by poor weather. So I don't know how he, bad he. Apparently, he weather <laughs> stood between him and his daughter and granddaughter. But that's what he said. He couldn't get there. Why didn't he go a third time? I was about to say, he dips, well, his, dips well, his toe in the water, feels a wave. He's like, I'm out of here. The okay. like, we're, like, we're going on a boat, though. Uh, well, turns out he's the kind of guy you want to lend your car or something because he didn't go a third time because the boat was privately owned by someone else. <laughs> so he couldn't, he couldn't go a third time because he had to return the boat or something. Oh, hey, a, did you make you it know there? No. no. It, was, it was just the lease. Right. <laughs> so the whole... just mile limit. <laughs> well, do you want to buy it or you want to give it back? Yeah. <laughs> the, the whole colony is missing. He has a chance to find out what happened. Had to return the boat. <laughs> <laughs> so he tried twice, weather kept him out, and then he gave the boat back. What did he do after that? Well, I don't know what boat he used, but John White returned to England. Uh, what? what? <laughs> Maybe the... the Bamboo raft? I'm yeah. <laughs> Wait a minute. Hold on. I'm guessing it was the same boat. So wait. I, I'm just very Renewed confused here. Yeah. here. Here's why wait. I'm confused by this. Hold on, hold on. Hold okay, on, hold okay. On. Go ahead, go ahead. So... <laughs> So he has a boat, boat, yes, capable of taking him across the ocean to yeah. England, the right. Atlantic Ocean. But he has to lease a boat from Buckskin McGee <laughs> to try and get him to this island on his own instead of just taking a full size. You know, it's foggy you. on the details. I don't know if there were two boats. 
and he was swapping them. I don't know. Or or it also doesn't make sense why he couldn't use the boat a third time to quick do a drive by Croatoan to see John if anyone's White guy there. It just seems very <laughs> unambitious at this point. You know, you know, he never he doesn't seem like he wanted to be in America in the first place because after he failed to ever get to Croatoan to see if his own people are still alive. He returns to England again, and obviously not staying in America, moves to Ireland, and eventually <laughs> passes away in 1593, never knowing what happened to his own family. So he died three years after all it, this? Yes, after 1590, uh, 1593. So... Did this guy dive overeating or what because this guy just seems like the most you know of all the research i did i did not look into why or how he died and just to go back for a quick second roanoke to croatan island was only 50 miles so this guy he can sail the ocean blue like none other but he can't get to croatoan dude okay and we're gonna and that that might mark it was cold yeah, right. So that might actually, and it matters, because that might factor into some of our theories of what actually happened. Did he know where they were already? Um, you know, there's a lot of stuff. But I, I should finish this up before I get into all these interesting uh, ideas of what could happen. Um, okay, so just to clarify, no bodies or signs of a mass grave have ever been found at Roanoke Island or that area. So that remains a mystery. Archaeologists have found various objects of European origin on Croatoan Island. So if you want to go along the theory that they wrote Croatoan at uh, Roanoke, you know, on that fence post and stuff, because they were implying that that's where they went to come look for them at a later time, which obviously, based on John Smith trying... John Smith. John White. John White. (laughs) Trying to... I'm going to keep doing that. John Smith's a better person than John White. Yeah, John White's a trash human being. (laughs) But, uh, you know, theoretically, that's where he was going to go look for him, um, but just couldn't get there. Uh, so anyway, so that's, that's the general facts of um, Roanoke Island that I wanted to put out there for us to create mm-hmm. theories. Uh, and I'm just going to say what some of the common um, ideas people have so for what happened are. I, unless, unless you don't want me to give you what other people think, you want me just well, to hear what before, you say. Before that, I just want to... Because I know a little bit about this, I don't, I haven't researched it like super in depth, but sure. I feel like I've heard something about like he told his daughter, whoever, to like leave a cross or something carved into a tree as like a sign that like oh we left here to go somewhere else or whatever. I don't remember what exactly it meant, mm-hmm. but did you like read anything about that when you were doing? No, and, and you know what? I actually want to give a disclosure here because if anyone were to look, were to look this up just off of what I'm seeing here, they're going to find uh, a lot of this information off of a source that I largely was basing this off of, although their stuff is all based off of factual evidence from other sources as well. But I'm really into those uh, BuzzFeed Unsolved yeah, Mysteries. Yeah, yeah. So if you were to look up the Roanoke uh, BuzzFeed, you're going you're gonna to hear a lot of the same things I'm saying. Granted, what I gave was just background information, but that's sourced a lot from them. So sure. I want to give them credit for uh, really finding most of this evidence, but or, or information, rather. Um, but anyway, go ahead and continue with what you were saying. No, I, I just didn't know if you had 
found oh anything on about that specifically that. no yeah. on that specifically I, have, I, I did I, not i had heard i remember it being a thing i just don't really remember that like, she was supposed to get across somewhere meant. or whatever yep um well and then that comes I've down to well. and that comes down to did they leave in a hurry right but then if you left in a hurry you know why'd you have a time to write what you wrote john white was in a hurry to get back to england apparently so. yeah well, yeah, yeah you mentioned the sandwich shops prime there yeah right yeah, definitely can't get beaver sandwiches like that over in america <laughs> That's where the beaver are. <laughs> I know, but like you can't make it the same if you don't have those nice shops. That is true. I don't know if they have beavers in England. Nothing I'm she... saying is actually based on evidence of anything. So, <laughs> yeah. And I don't know. I mean, I don't know what maybe the guys with him would have called him out, but it is, I guess, maybe possible that he never went back to America a second time and just said he did and couldn't get to Kotoan. I don't know. He said that halfway point and was like, all right, boys. Turn around. We gotta ask Buckskin McGee if he actually borrowed his boat to someone. Yeah, what a right, strong right. name. Um, right off the dome. Here's something else I should have looked up, <laughs> and I don't know. I mean, it's probably not. I mean, but it'd be kind of cool to know if that Croatoan fence is still somewhere you can see it or not. I don't know. If what that's is like... the Croatoan fence for? Definitely not me. That doesn't know. The fence post that they carved the word into. Yeah. So like when oh, when the, he went back oh, and yeah, it was sorry. like written in the fence the, post. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I mean, it's been a long time, so probably not. But I'm just curious. I should have looked up if that's still something that they, uh, if you can go see, because that's kind of a cool historical. I can um, look it up. Thing. If you want to go through the possibilities. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So well, um, before you. Oh, sorry. You no, no. Go what ahead. you got? I was just gonna say. I think it does make the most sense. Um, that they maybe went north, maybe didn't go to Croatoan, but maybe just went with like the local tribes around that may have attacked sure. them, maybe offered some sort of, you know, something of peace. Okay. I just think that makes the most sense. Because sure. how would they have, those settlers, gotten to Croatoan if they didn't have the ship? Unless they had more than one ship. Uh, yeah, with John I, I don't have specifications on if that's the case. I mean, I feel sure. like they would have, I mean, maybe they had like canoes and if it wasn't far enough, sure. you know, maybe you can get there by less uh, drastic means. Mm -hmm. um, but I mean, I don't know that for sure, for certain. It'd be interesting to see if on Croatoan Island, is it Croatoan? Yeah, Croatoan. Okay, Croatoan Island, excuse me. If there was any signs of you know European architecture on there, and if there's even like some similarities in like you mean even like the facial features of the people uh, that may live there, if there's some you know apparent like obvious mix of you know Europeans as well as um, you know the people that already live there, uh, I wonder if there's any connection there. See if like there's because that would if I mean if there's some architecture there that they found. I mean. I think that makes the most sense. So get too. so get this, in 1888, so nearly what 300 years later, there was a request to Congress for aid from about I don't know if it was like 50 people or whatever it was, claiming to be remnants or descendants of the Roanoke colony, and there have also been what has been seen as um, blood mixed between the Native Americans, you know, and just white men yeah uh in native americans of that region to imply something was going on there but you know again nobody knows for for certain and because you know and then also people were like oh there's no mass grave you know and then a lot of people were like oh alien abduction yeah. well to yes. be fair i don't know that they had a nice uh 
what do you call the the team of people who investigate like murders and, and crime scenes like not diagnostics but the uh, history channel the forensics Ancient forensics yeah oh. forensics they didn't exactly have expert forensics back then <laughs> <laughs> certainly not uh john white going in there mm, you know so, murder mysteries like, who knows what i mean they could have been murdered like further inland or something i don't know but yeah. no one to this day has found evidence of uh you know that happening. So as far as the Croatoan fence post, it doesn't seem like it exists anymore. Sure. There's there's a a tree that has crow the the tree that had the crow carved in it. There's one at uh, Fort Raleigh National Historic Site. I don't know if it's the actual one or if it's just like a replica. But um, that cross that I mentioned, it was the secretly agreed upon sign that the colony was in distress. And that was and, not found in No, he found it there. Oh, he did find the yes. cross. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Oh, wait. Wait. Nope, I just lied to you. I said neither place did he discover a cross. Okay, oh, so he okay. Didn't, he didn't find one. Sure, sure. Okay. So, so um, there was no signal of distress. So either they didn't have time to leave one or they just weren't mm -hmm. in distress. So. They probably may have just definitely ran out of food if the supplies were taken three years. Maybe not ran out of food, but just ran out of... Well, that is one of food. the things they sent him back for is food. But yeah. how ironic would that be? I mean, you go into a new con or new land, and, and you didn't think about bringing in food or enough food. I don't know. It's. Uh, I mean, you sent the guy back within a month. I don't know how short the seems like some poor planning. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Well, then again, if John White is your <laughs> is your leader, famously a sandwich shop extraordinaire. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Not a good planner, but honest about returning your goods. Oh, uh, or, His descendants are just going to look us up like, here, you've been talking some shit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'll have you know. My name is Samantha White, and I hear you've been talking bad about Why is that her voice? Great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-grandfather. <laughs> so uh, I will say, just because I've already pointed out there, one of the common theories is that they potentially assimilated with a Native American tribe nearby, and that's why they wouldn't have been there anymore. Um but I'm curious, uh, Jacob, we can start with maybe logical ones if you want, what you think happened lo uh, logically, and then maybe something a little off the wall if you want, if you can see how it can add up. But I definitely think it's that they uh, like assimilated with an Indian tribe because I feel like, if anything, like if they did run out of food, like obviously the Native Americans know how to prepare the sure. food in the area, so... I mean, if they could get friendly relations with them, aside from, like, those first attacks, I mean, obviously they're not, like, a warring colony. It's just pretty much, like, normal men, women, and children. So mm -hmm. I feel like they didn't pose much of a threat. So, like, even if they did get taken, like, hostage by an Indian tribe and then, like, eventually just, like, they were like, well, why did we take you hostage? You're not any threat to us. Like, I feel like it could have just happened that way even. Yeah, okay. Like, I just think that's the most like understandable, most mundane yeah. but yeah. most logical explanation. Mm -hmm. so especially if there was like no sign of distress, it's just like, well, obviously they just needed some way to survive without like the way of life they had before. Well, and you must wonder at what point because they know it only takes. I, I don't. I, I'd have to look to make sure, but it only takes I think as much as depending on weather, probably two months to cross the ocean at that point in time. So at a certain point, they're probably like, maybe he's not coming back. Yeah. You know, three years oh, yeah. with no communication. Yeah. At a, I mean, they don't know that a war with Spain is about to break out. So they're probably like, this dude ditched us. Yeah, they had no idea what was happening other no, than their corner of the world. Yeah. So they're probably like, we, the new world. Maybe, maybe they were thinking we'd either assimilate or die out. 
Yeah. If he's not coming back. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's do or die at that point. Like, yeah, yeah. If you don't have food and you don't know how to grow food on this land that you just got to, like, obviously you're going to need help from someone. Do we ever know why they picked that spot to build Roanoke? Like, is it just where they happen to land? or like Probably, they... honestly. Honestly, I'm just thinking I, if, like, they chance. ran out of food and they couldn't plant anything. Like, maybe the soil was bad there. And the thing is, they, they were pretty, they had a nice map, so I was going to actually to look up uh, John White's map. Just type that in the Google. Cause they actually... I really hope it's just, like, the top ten sandwich shops. <laughs> <in the> <laughs> no, but it's going to get into some nice uh, conspiracy theories, too. Once I, now, it has a name, and I just forget His what it's called. His map was, like, terrible, wasn't it? No, it was incredible. Oh, was it? It was one of the best, they said, that was ever made of a coast of the United States. But it has oh, a... Oh, yeah, he's it has pretty a, close. It has, um, the map has a, a popular name, so I need to... See what the map was called. Uh, oh, uh, that's it. La Virginia. La Virginia Pars or whatever. I don't know if you've heard of that before, but it's a. It, I mean, it's. I don't know. It's a pretty popular map. I know. Maybe just because mm-hmm. of how um, accurate it was to what the actual coastline was. Which we could get into that too. Mapping back then and how accurate some of the maps were, how they did that, I have no idea. I don't know if these sea creatures. I was just about to say, can we talk about? (laughs) No, no, I don't think that's it. This, this is it. Oh, it's the one with that star on it. Oh yeah. Yeah. So that's what I want to get into. So get this, that map that he drew Mm -hmm. was at in this museum, right? I assume a museum in England, but. Don't quote me on that. Some society wanted to have it studied further because back in that day, it wasn't practical if you made a mistake on a map to start completely over. So they would cover it with these patches where they would make mistakes. Well, this one society wanted it analyzed where he had theoretically made a mistake before to see what the mistake was or what was under it. Turns out it might not have been a mistake at all that it was as far as potentially even having been drawn in invisible ink, a star on the map that was either indicative of a colony location, so where Roanoke might have actually moved to, mm-hmm. or crazier concepts, people want to pretend that like it's, it's indicative of where like a spacecraft yes. had landed. <laughs> I'm looking at the star right now. And all, all <laughs> of that. So this, and this star wasn't known about because everyone just assumed he was patching over a mistake. But it actually might have been hiding something crucial the entire time. They don't know, you know, it depends how in-depth you want to get with it. Um, but anyhow, so it's at least at least they seem to think it at least shows where a fort or settlement was of some kind, mm-hmm. which could give us some tidbits of um, what happened to the Roanoke colony. But it's just kind of cool that you think like I think that was in 2012 that they relooked at it, and it's just kind of cool that you think like oh this map's been in this museum. It was like some real like Nicholas Cage level national treasure. Yeah, that's just that's just really cool. So um, and and Evan was asking, did they find? Um, English style like items or of uh, England English architecture. origin architecture yeah and they did find them at, at these locations so it's hard they said it was kind of hard to date these because obviously they were all over that coast so oh, who yeah. really knows for sure but um, yeah so some of the uh, popular opinions of what would happen is that they were just straight up murdered by Native Americans but just like somewhere else so you didn't see it, it or it wasn't obvious mm-hmm. and again who knows for all we know, John Whitner might not have ever stepped off the ship, so maybe they worked <laughs> that over there. I don't know. I don't know what happened to him. 
Uh, I told Evan that uh, already that they might have assimilated. Maybe they moved inland as opposed maybe to that star we just talked about. Mm-hmm. You know? True. So yes. again, I, oh, I'm sorry, did I cut you off? No, go ahead. Again, uh, so now we're gonna get into the we we have some obvious things that could have happened, but at some point you gotta have some fun with it and just see what happens. So again, I gotta give credit to that BuzzFeed because I I'm not saying I came up with these. The abduction by aliens, come on, anyone could could uh, make that up and 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 whatever. But another, the head of like this zombie society guy, oh, I've heard this. Yeah, one, yeah, came up with this theory that Roanoke Island is perfect because it's. You know, it's not attached to the mainland. So it actually might have been the first, and potentially only, but instance of an actual zombie plague. Because another researcher found evidence that there was cannibalism within the Roanoke colony on that island. So I don't know how you find evidence of that. I don't, I don't know how that works. But he claimed to, this is separate from the zombie guy, but he claimed to find evidence of cannibalism. Well, that helps this zombie leader guy... <laughs> To come up with his his concept that it was an isolated zombie plague incident where they would have eaten each other, which is why you wouldn't have found evidence of like or like that everyone would have died and like disappeared and like wandered off or whatever. I'm calling shipworms. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, lots of different theories. Some more, oh some more realistic than others. Uh, but it seems this, in general, it seems like us three seem to agree that. Assimilating into one of the. Are you sure creatures. it wasn't the giant sea creatures that were drawn on part two of his map? <laughs> Can neither confirm nor <laughs> deny. Uh, I don't know. I think the biggest takeaway is wow, did this John White guy? Yeah, he's a good map. Really drawer. screw his people over. He's hey, a good. Well, he's good at drawing maps though. He may not be the bravest soul, but <laughs> he is amazing with the quill. <laughs> <laughs> Just think about that though. Your your daughter and granddaughter are back there, or potentially on this island. 50 miles away, can't get there. Well, and the thing about this is, like, before this, it's like, oh, every time you hear about the Roanoke Colony, you're just like, oh, poor John White, he lost all his friends. But it's like, man, he didn't really, like, put in much of an At least it's hard to tell. I mean, I wasn't there, so I don't know, but, I mean, come on. And what is his priority? It's like, man, I really got to get this shit back. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. The guy's going to charge me interest. Yeah. We have to get new tires for it before I returned it. So wow, that is honestly just thinking about Roanoke. That's probably maybe America's first conspiracy theory. Pretty much, I think so. Um, I know in my book of American conspiracies, it's the first chapter. So, I mean, yeah, probably. I mean, other than like the ones where it's like who actually discovered America first and all that mm-hmm. stuff, but maybe it even speaks to kind of how much Americans like that kind of conspiracy oh, stuff because all, us, us, th- us three just right here have seemingly kind of justified why maybe they wouldn't be there anymore. Yeah, vampires. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, that's right, right. <laughs> but everyone kind of, even secretly, I mean, think about, feel your, like, in your heart of hearts, don't you kind of hope it was well, something way, bizarre? It's way more yeah. I mean, fun. it's just rooted in us. Like, oh, you're yeah. like, someone tells you, oh, it makes sense because they assimilated it or they moved to inland or whatever. But deep down, you're like, nah, dude, it was aliens. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know, it's way more fun. Like yeah. if you can throw anything at, because no one has any more of an answer than anyone. That's else, right. So that's right. There's no right or wrong. Whatever you want. Right, right, right. Yeah, like prove me wrong. That yeah, zombies exactly. didn't exactly. just uh, take over. Yeah. The one island in America that had Europeans. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. So, 
But anyway, so that kind of wraps up, uh, I guess, my story for this week. Cool. Love that story. Yeah. Yeah, so I hope you guys enjoyed our first episode of the Gems of History podcast. Remember when we said this was supposed to be a quick episode? <laughs> yeah. Hey, yeah. But, it's it's not that long. No, no, and it, and it shows us that like, we got a passion for history. Now, granted, I'm not saying everything that we said is like, of historical significance oh, yeah, to a sure. high end. But that's not what this was about. That's we're not, not Dan about. Carlin's hardcore history. Yeah. Like, we're not going like super in-depth. We're not doing four-part series on the yeah. Romanovs or something like sure. that. But I mean, we just want to pick stuff that's fun, pick mm-hmm. stuff that interests us. So I, I think more people will be more interested in like hearing about like the niche parts of history and whatever we think is fun. I mean, oh, definitely. I, I mean, I think we're pretty fun. I think oh, this has been a blast so, in our very, in my very biased opinion. Yeah. So yeah, I hope all of you guys enjoyed listening to it. Uh, if you guys like what you hear, make sure you subscribe, follow us back for more episodes in the future. But I think that's pretty much it for us for this first episode. So. Yeah. Thanks for listening, in, guys. Yeah. Thanks for tuning guys and, in. And, guys and gals. Yes. Thank you, Mark. Yeah. Guys, gals, cats, dogs, everyone. Everyone everywhere. Shipworms as well, if you're listening. <laughs> All right, stop beating the death out of the oh, joke, yeah. Evan. <laughs> <laughs> All right, talk to you later.